0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Uvoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, Check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today in the show, we have Matt Gibson. Matt's an alumni of Yale University. During his time there, he was a two-time All-American and a two-time All-Ivy League player. He was first-team All-New England and New England Player of the Year. Matt started his MLL career with the New York Lizards. He's an MLL All-Star and was the MLL Rookie of the Year in 2012. He also won an MLL Championship with the Lizards in 2015 he's now a member of the Atlanta Blaze. This is my first conversation with Matt. He's a very intelligent and introspective guy. In this episode, we got to talk about things like self-analyzing yourself as a player, learning patience, the benefits of consistency and accountability, and much more. If you're a young player, this is an episode you won't want to miss. Here's my interview with Matt Gibson. Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk. So How would you get started playing lacrosse?
1: Um, For me, I don't have really a, you know, a lot of people seem to have that. My neighbor came over with a stick or some story that has a lot of, seems to have a lot of meaning. I I, I just remember my older brothers playing, Hmm. and I I picked up shortly after them, and that's kind of how I got started was I, I guess it was an early form of emulation, and then I started to play, and it it was fun, so I haven't stopped since.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And so how old were you when you first picked up a stick?
1: I think that was first or second grade. Um, We had a uh, Long Beach, New York local rec league, and um, it wasn't as club heavy back then. You know, everyone played for their town. Right. And there was that, uh, I think that that was another way that I had heard about it was like you played with the kids in your town. It wasn't like, well, I'm on a team with kids from all over Long Island. There was that, not only were you playing for your town, but, like, you were playing with your neighborhood friends. Right. Um, so that's how I got started.
0: Right. It was, when when you started playing lacrosse on Long Island when you were younger, it was like, okay, these are the people that I'm going to be playing lacrosse with for, like, the next 10, 12 years
1: yeah exactly and it was i think from a parental standpoint it was the same thing my parents knew what they were getting into they you know they knew the (laughs) types of people that were from our our hometown and the the neighboring um towns and now it's it's a totally different scene you know you got it's all all all-star teams and it was who knows what team who you're going to be playing with who's from what town so back then it was a little bit more geographical
0: right right yeah now it's now it's totally different um, but so, as you know, as you were growing up, who were some of the people that you looked up to? Uh, I guess some of the players that maybe you tried to emulate your game after.
1: Um, yeah, uh, Mike Powell would be definitely number one. Um, you had mentioned his name in the uh, the lead up to our conversation, but he's, I think, a lot of people would agree, had like a style and a, a free flowing nature about his game right um kind of in the in the way that lyle thompson has that in today's game but he was definitely the guy and he was uh, like when the internet came around and suddenly you found yourself on the internet watching videos he was like the first person that i would just watch the videos over and over and like i think the most attractive part about his game was how it seemed it was just like it it was an art form you know he was right there are different types of ways to be successful in the sport but he he seemed to like always keep you guessing right um obviously there's room for the i alley dodge and i shoot hard down the alley and that's what all my goals look like but he was the total opposite which mm-hmm. was kind of what I, I that's the way that i like to play so oh he was number one for sure but number two was kyle harrison and i think hmm. uh, i just remember watching video tons of videos of him at, you know splitting people up at hopkins and uh he had the athleticism and kind of that that shake that mm-hmm. I've never seen him to have, but right. obviously, uh, watching it on the internet sufficed.
0: Right, right. So, what were some of the things that you did to learn how to emulate those players? Right. So, you're watching a video of Mikey a video of Mikey Powell. You watch a video of Kyle Harrison. You know, what do you do? You go into your backyard. You try to do the moves that they're doing. You try to emulate the shots that they take. What does it look like?
1: Yeah, I think watching a player like Mike Powell or other, you know, guys that play of that style, or you you watch them and you know that you have to have the stick skills to be to react to anything, if you will. Um, because a big part of his game. Is you'd put him in whatever situation, it's like, whoa, he put the stick behind him, right? Because no, he wasn't. I mean, he he, he had a, he definitely had a flair for the dramatic, but he did that because it worked and because he was able to. Right. Um, so definitely on the stick skills front, I, I was just in my backyard all the time and um, at the local park at the net. That would be where I would do more of the the dodging. Um, mm-hmm. But o- always, never felt like work. Always throwing the ball against the wall, or practicing and never looking back on it. You know, that's when you start to label it as well. This is what I. But then it's just you know you're a kid and it's fun. So, right. um, but def- those two definitely like influenced my game a lot.
0: Right, gotcha, gotcha. So growing up. What other sports did you play?
1: Uh, I played basketball, soccer, a little bit of football, a little bit of roller hockey, uh, snowboarded. um, Spent a lot of time in the ocean, mainly boogie boarding, a little bit of surfing, a lot of body surfing. But I'd say the two main would be basketball and soccer.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And did, did you feel like those sports contributed to your lacrosse game? Your lacrosse game contributed to them? Um, you know, how'd that, how'd that shake out?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think they helped a lot again in, in that retrospective at the time, you don't, you're not thinking, well, I'm going to play basketball so that I can get, but you know, it's right. like this being in, in a team environment, it always helps and, uh, getting, and I think failure in certain sports and realizing what can make you realize, well, I'm better at lacrosse and this is why, and right. this is why I'm bad at basketball because I'm, you know, Panicking like the balls a hand grenade anytime I have it. <laughs> so I think like the, there's those different aspects of every sport that overlap, and they can go either way. So in like basketball, I was realizing, well, why am I panicking every time I have the ball when in lacrosse I'm composed. Mm-hmm. So that calmed me down a little bit. And then there were things that went the other way with it too. And I think uh, just on the physical standpoint, the conditioning and doing something all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, builds like a work ethic, and you're just immersed in like sport, basically. So right. I mean, it's I don't think you're going to find anyone who says it doesn't
0: help. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the, the biggest thing, and, and I mean, I hear this a little bit in what you're saying is the biggest thing for me was that playing multiple sports it just taught you a different perspective, right? When mm-hmm. you when you play lacrosse, you know, let's say you're the the second best player on the team, or you know, you're the best player yeah. on the team. When you play basketball. You might not be that guy, and so you have to yeah. learn <laughs> how to you have to learn how to adapt and play that role while you play while you play basketball and then conversely, when you play lacrosse again, you might play on a different team and you might not be the best guy and now you need to know how to react how to play a different role on that team. It just gives sure. you a different perspective yeah yeah
1: i mean that that definitely happened to me i mean basketball's in particular I, the I mean, I'm not good at basketball. I'm not terrible, but I'm not good <laughs> to a point that it's it, it's not logical because my athletic I have the athleticism to at least be decent, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm not. Right. So it was always uh, perplexing for me to ju- I just couldn't find success. Um, I got a little bit better as I, I uh, got older and wasn't playing it in a league. I just played pickup, and then I, I self analyzed and said, "Well, here's why I'm not so good." Um, but yeah, there's definitely the you know you could be the top man on the totem on a lacrosse team and then you play basketball and then I think it it, it, it just gives you a wide perspective and then you go back to lacrosse and you know you start to empathize more with the players who are like role players if you will because you just understand that there are many facets to a team and you're not always going to be the guy right like you said the higher level you get in lacrosse then the higher the chance you get that you won't be the guy
0: so right right yeah, it's you know I, I had a similar thing. I, I you know I'm sort of exactly like what you said. I'm athletic enough. I'm a, I'm athletic enough to believe that I can be a really good basketball player. But I never really broke through a certain point until uh, I got to my junior year of college, where somebody on uh, somebody on Virginia actually pulled me aside and was like, "Hey, you play basketball." exactly like you play lacrosse and that doesn't work (laughs) you need to (laughs) you need to slow down and maybe uh you know have a little composure while you're out on the court and then that's when that's when I started sort of doing the things that you were saying like analyze well why isn't this working for me oh it's because I'm trying to hit a layup while I'm running full speed of the basket maybe (laughs) slow down a little bit but uh yeah yeah um so so at what point You know, while you were growing up playing lacrosse, did you start thinking, "Hey, this is something that I might want to play at the next level"? Uh,
1: I always, from a very young age, I I wanted to do it, but it wasn't. It it wasn't something that seems as present as it is for young players today. You know, young players are seventh, eighth grade; they're starting to see kids commit when they're sophomores in high school, and that the. I mean, it's not, this isn't a novelty for me to say. It's, this is just the fact is it's getting pushed forward. So mm-hmm. for we kind of had a bit more luxury of just playing the sport for the fun of it right. um, when, when I was growing up. And I think I was the last era to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I didn't commit until I think I was going into my senior year or maybe early in my senior year. I had a good idea of where I wanted to go. And I had gone to Blue Chip after my sophomore year of high school, so I was very much, I had exposure. Right. um, uh, Just as a product of being on good teams and um, really liking the sport. Like, it never came as, oh, I need to be on this team. Right. It was very, it was a lot of, uh, I was on the first Long Island Express team, so very much the start of that whole club era (laughs) kind of thrust us into this point where we're sophomores in high school and getting letters from you know, uh, Petromala and and the likes, but right. um, the exposure seemed to come for all those guys of my era far more organically than you know. I talk to parents these days, and it's it's a there's a strategy. They're asking yeah. me what a team I think, and this and that. And um, not only does it make me a little bit uncomfortable, but I don't know because I was before that era, and I haven't spent enough time in that world. But definitely, I feel like the I mean, the same for you. I'm sure you, it was less of a, a chess match to end up at the college level. It was kind of something that came because you were good and coaches saw you.
0: Right. right yeah. For me, it was, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know if you had empires while you played. Yeah,
1: exactly. They, same, they en- same thing.
0: They, did, did you have empires or you didn't?
1: Yeah. You didn't? Yeah. Okay. 2007 empire team I was on.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. So for, for me growing up, that was, that was the end all be all. Right. It was if you made if you made empires, you can basically just sit back because you're going to get, you know, a recruiting letter from every single college coach that you would want. Mm -hmm. Um, But that
1: but and for you, sorry to interrupt you, but that that was after your junior year. Right.
0: Right. Right. So like that
1: timeline is so much different that, you know, that that level of pressure, I feel like these kids are feeling it like seventh grade. I don't know why I'm Uh, laughing, but like. Um, I was like, "Well, I'll make the Empire team after my junior year, and then I'll then I'll decide." Whereas right. now, it's I don't even know what to say.
0: Right? No, I, I mean the biggest thing that I, the biggest thing that I'm hearing is I get those questions a lot too. Right? Like, what, what son, uh, what, uh, what team should my son play on? What do you recommend? Yep. Should he make the switch? Should he just stay with this one? And one, yeah, I don't really know what to say. Uh, it's it's uh-huh. sort of an uncomfortable question because you're talking to you know like a. You're talking to a sixth grader, a seventh grader. It yeah. doesn't seem like it's going to really make that much of a difference. And two, I, I yeah. worry that, and I, I've been hearing this as a common theme of all the players that I've interviewed recently. I really worry that it's going to take a lot of the fun out of the sport for them. Because, like you said, yep. it's really, it really should be, it really shouldn't be work. It should. You should uh-huh. look back and say, oh yeah, you know what? It turned out that I spent a lot of time working on this sport but it's got to be fun. It has to come from a place yeah. of like, this is what I want to do. And I, mm-hmm. I, when I talk to my little, my little cousin, who's, you know, around the age where he's trying to figure out what travel team he plays for. I always try to talk to him about like, you know, I'm not sure it's going to really matter that much, but I want to make sure that you're having fun while you play it. because right? if you're not having fun, it sort of just ruins the whole thing. Um, yeah. So it, it's, yeah. So, uh, you know, as a high school player, um, I think we just touched on a little bit, but I just want to make sure, uh, how did you get noticed as a high school player? What made you stand out?
1: Uh, well, I was on the empire team, so that, that really helped, but I had, uh, I went to Shamanad, so we didn't play varsity until my junior year, but I had mm-hmm. gone to blue chip after my sophomore year. And after that, I started to get exposure. Um, and then, you know, then you're, I think that was after sophomore year. Um, but yeah, so some exposure there and then had a pretty good junior year at Chaminade and then made the Empire team. So um, I kind of, I had a good feeling that I would have a, you know, be able to pick where I wanted to go. Um, I just right. had to kind of continue that trajectory, like you said, towards the Empire games, because that was kind of the the apex of your high school accomplishments. Right. Um, so I, I did that, and then that kind of solidified that I would kind of be able to pick. But my brother had gone to Yale, mm-hmm. um, and he was a great player and always looked up to him. I like, grew up watching his games, and he kind of set the bar. And Obviously, Yale was a—I wasn't going to be able to—I I wanted to play with him. Mm-hmm. And Yale's a great school, and I just I couldn't find any reason not to do it. Um, it wasn't I didn't go up to Yale and phone. I thought there were so many. I checked out Notre Dame, a few other Ivys. I, I I found it hard to settle on one. I just liked a lot of different schools, mm-hmm. but that my brother was at Yale was kind of the the you know the factor that made me go there, and it I had a good time. It was a great time, and but he was he kind of just. Paved the
0: path. Right, gotcha, gotcha. So, you followed your brother to Yale. Uh, did you feel like it was a it was a fit right away? Did you feel comfortable that first semester?
1: Uh, no, definitely not. I think it's it's I effortlessly did really well in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I just you know no backpack. I would just I just found it really easy. I think with the structure and it was primarily memorization. And then I think with the, the freedom of college, you know, it's not memorize this and show up. It's who knows what's going to be on the test and then trying to balance that with lacrosse. Right. I de- didn't do too hot in school early on and poured everything into lacrosse, but the success didn't even come right away there. So I, hmm. my freshman year was a tough one. because I, I mean, I didn't have a terrible lacrosse year, mm-hmm. but our team did very poorly. I didn't do well by my standards at all. So the first year was the hardest of at that point of my life thus far because mm-hmm. I I faced a lot of I just didn't succeed in the way that I had been able to do. I kind of snuck by
0: right um, up
1: until that point off sheer like I, I didn't have to self analyze if you will and then right. after that I was like well this ain't working anymore you gotta <laughs> you gotta <laughs> take a look and then that after my freshman year was just a, a, a definitely a turning point for
0: me mm-hmm. so if you can walk us through what that self-analyzation was like, right. Um, You know, you, you go from high school where you said it's all just memorization into college where, you know, you're not really sure what you're going to be facing on, on what test and what class. Um, Let's start, I guess, on the school side of things. What did you realize? How did you sort of, you know, get your stuff to get, get your act together um, as a freshman in college? Like what, what did you do to improve yourself there?
1: Um, well, for just on an overall standpoint, academically, I—I I, that's one of my big regrets about my time there. Is that I didn't, well, I didn't know what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. so I didn't dive into anything. I just took it for granted, and right. I think a big aspect of finding out what you want to do is diving into things, which at mm-hmm. the time I, I, you know, again, what was not thinking about these things i just really like lacrosse and i figured i'd you know just get through the school and figure it out but it, it, it it's not till now that I'm, I'm find myself going back on and taking yale free online courses <laughs> that i just years ago paid uh paid, i'm in debt because of i could have taken them there and gone um right. <laughs> but the self-analyzation is by the end, I st- I kind of figured myself out academically and just, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I just would put more effort in. And um, you find that if you dive deep into something, you're going to find a part of it, you know, some small facet that you are interested in. Right. Um, so by the end of by my, I came out okay academically. On the lacrosse front, the self-analyzation came as um, I, just the lack of success. It just, I, I didn't do that well my freshman year. And um, I had never had to do that before. I'd never had to because it always worked. I would, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was never an explainer or a self-analyzer from a, my game standpoint. It just worked, and I would, you know, I was very just a free-flowing game. But then when it's not working, and you're not someone who's adept at looking at yourself and asking why it's not working, and that was like a real hard time for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I went up to Canada and played box after my freshman year in Vancouver with my brother and some friends, and mm. uh, that really helped my stick skills and I think my toughness, and I came in with kind of a refreshed sense of, okay, you're not that good, um, <laughs> and I think just work ethic and um, slowing down, like you, you had mentioned, was a really big one, Like uh, if and it's tough because in high school you can get by just this minute you see daylight turn in the corner, you can bury a shot. But right. simple, like a simple, I'm a guy who takes two or three more steps type mm-hmm. above GLE approach is like such a big deal for a right. player. Um, so me at like five and five, I just that was like no man's. I just would not go up there. <laughs> I'm either behind the net or I'm diving or shooting as I get to GLE. So just right. developing that patience was a big one for me. Like. Mm-hmm seeing that, you know, goal three seconds from now that doesn't look as cool is better than a turnover trying to do some wacky stuff right, coming right. on GLA. Right. GLA. Um, so that was the biggest, that and I think just hitting the weight room and um, just a general rea- like a, you know, humility check
0: mm-hmm. was the
1: big turning point uh, after fresh, uh, freshman year college.
0: Right, right. So can you talk a little bit more about how you learned and developed your patience Um, was that developed from playing box lacrosse, uh, in Vancouver? I think you said it was, or did you learn that? Did you talk to the coaches and, and they told you that was something you needed to work on? Do do
1: you mean patience like in finishing or, um, just general game sense?
0: Yeah. uh, So, yeah, I guess both. So, I mean, specifically what you said was, you know, learning how to slow down and not take a stupid shot work to get to the, you know, to five and five rather than take a low angle shot. Um, Uh what did you do to sort of, you know, work on that? How did you develop that skill? That's not an easy skill to develop, especially, you know, when you're in college.
1: Yeah. Um, well, in a strictly finishing and scoring standpoint, box definitely helps. I mean, you go up there and you try to use the same tactics that you use in field and classic American playing box, you, you're terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think... That you're forced to change if you want to be any good at it. You know The mm-hmm. same tendencies don't work. You've got to really increase your angle. You have to extend your arms, things like that. So, I mean, I would recommend box to any, any young player. I think uh, you'll hit a, a roadblock quickly and be humbled. Right. And if you can stick it through and figure out what the things are that will make you be at least mildly successful, they'll have more, like, it'll have a bigger impact on your game than you think. Mm -hmm. If you get 20% better at box, I think you get, like, 50% better at field. That's the way I Mm -hmm. felt in in a scoring standpoint.
0: Right, Um, right.
1: And then in the overall patience of the game, I I think that that came a lot from coaching and a lot from um, the lack of – when your team's not winning, you have to take a a bigger picture approach and say what's not working. And, like, possession time became such a key for us in uh, college Mm -hmm. uh, under Coach Shea because – we weren't all that talented of a team. We, we were very like blue collar mindset and we were going to, you know, win the ground ball battle. But, and when that's the case, you really, you have to possess the ball. Um, right. And so that, I remember my sophomore year, that was a big thing. And uh, it definitely brought a, a patience into my game that, mm-hmm. you know, slowed me down behind the net and made me, I don't want to say think twice because that has like a negative sounding. It made me just have a better, a better, sense beyond the play that i was currently in so Mm -hmm. it's like you just take a bigger picture approach and say okay what happened last play you know how many goals are we up and i think all that those things that make a player more cerebral are things that i hadn't done because like i talked about i was able to just wing it right and be successful but so i think the the lack of success can can really help you grow and self-analyze and then the coach i mean i can't stress enough I, I, i my freshman year, of college was tough, but the coaching, like my transformation in college, is a testament to the coaching there. That mm-hmm. um, the patience is only one aspect in the way that I, I developed under the coaches there.
0: Right, right. I, I think one of the key things that you just said, which um, I talked to uh, Joel White about yesterday, was um, one of the biggest. It sounds like you are constantly, or you were constantly analyzing yourself and trying to figure out okay what am I not doing right what can I do better and that seems like such a simple skill such an easy thing to say but it's actually incredibly hard for players to do but it has it has such a great ROI if people can just admit hey here's a weakness in my game I'm gonna acknowledge it I'm gonna face it I'm gonna try to improve it um, that really, it really leads to growing your game leaps and bounds. Um, so if you can, can can you talk about, uh, you know, so, you know, let's say now we're into your sophomore year after your freshman year, what what were some of the things that you did to continue to improve at your game each year while you're in college? How, How did you sort of approach that challenge of, I want to continue to get better?
1: Uh, A lot of that was like weight room, off the field stuff. And then obviously just growing into a better person and teammate, because I think, I mean, that's a big part of college, too, is you're you're living on campus. You're you're part of a team that's it's basically all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, High school is more of doses of it. And and depending on how intense your high school team is, it's just way less of time commitment and camaraderie than college right um and i think it's being in that environment can really foster it just makes you accountable unless you want to be a bad teammate um so i think a lot of my growth and improvement as a player came being more accountable in the weight room um just being overall more supportive as a teammate and and like it, it all ties into like your game gets better too, right? if you're more accountable mm-hmm. as a teammate, that means you're checking in in every drill and you know you're hitting the wall you're lifting weights. so it was mm-hmm. kind of like a a whole you know as that's should be the goal for any player in college is if you win the to in your senior year, but you're still not a good person by the time you leave right uh, you're having the mission is not complete so oh, right. Right, um right. I think a lot of and they're so intertwined that um developing yourself off the field will lead to success on the Mm -hmm. field um but if i on from a tangible less abstract way just a lot of more commitment in the weight room into like agility stuff and keeping myself myself healthy Mm
0: -hmm. and when you say accountability do you mean consistency basically like buying into the program showing up every day
1: yeah certainly exactly just and having a good attitude about it and there's there's just countless things that you have a choice to take the easier route or take the hard one. And right. if you're going to be a good teammate, there's, they're not talked about. So it could be something as small as, you know, getting a ball after practice or, mm-hmm. you know, not to be cliche like that. But th- those little things are, are very much a part of it. And I think the culture at Yale helped with that because, it, what, you know, I did love the coach. I did love the program. I did love it. And that makes it easier to buy into. Right. right. Um, but the, the accountability is basically doing that small stuff that you could probably get away with not doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. Makes sense. So so let's move on to your transition from college to the MLL. How was that transition for you?
1: Uh, I was thinking about this one. I to be honest, it was a very, very easy one for me. And I was trying to think about why, why I felt that way. And why, mm-hmm. I mean, I got MLL Rookie of the Year and I didn't, you know, I had a lot of fun doing it. Right. Um. So, and it wasn't, you know, I didn't come in and change strategies. I didn't. And I think it's because everyone is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I had a lot of great teammates that year. A lot of good old, you know, I had Brian Langtree, who was just a seasoned vet. Mm-hmm. I was playing with a lot of selfless guys and they were all just as good, if not better than me, you know, right. <laughs> most of them better. <laughs> um, so it, it was just a, t- uh, I think i like a release the valve of pressure because college was in a lot of ways. Um, if I didn't play well, the team didn't win. Right. Um, and I don't say that in an arrogant way. It was just that that's, was the case. I, I would score a lot of the team's points and, um, they just, the two went hand in hand a lot of times, not always, but a lot mm-hmm. of times. And when I went to the MLL, you know, who knows who's stepping up and playing well that game and everyone, anyone can do it. You know, you can right. go have one assist in a game and another guy lights it up and you win. And, and it's not so much that you didn't do anything. It's just that you put, were a little bit smaller of a piece of the puzzle. It's like, mm-hmm. it wasn't your lack of success. It was maybe you didn't light it up and, but they did. Um, right. so I think the transition for me was easy in that way. Mm-hmm. But I think I didn't have a problem not being the guy on a team.
0: Right. Um,
1: and I think maybe some guys can have a little a little bit of trouble with the transition in the MLL because they are likely the guy in college and then you come in and you're not the guy. You know, right. So it's like I saw there's a kid, Ian McKay, who has played a few games for the Bayhawks this year, who went to Vermont. And I, I've just watched like highlights of him. Mm-hmm. and he's so good, and he, he, he I just thought, uh, he reminded me of myself, and that, like, I'm, I was like, I can't wait till this kid plays in the MLL, mm-hmm. because, like, everyone's gonna, he's gonna, you know, feel that way that I felt, that, like, surrounded by guys who are,
0: right, right. you know,
1: if, if you get the sense that what I'm talking about, like, he, I just couldn't wait to see what he would do at the next level, he's not the, gonna, not yeah. the Vermont
0: is. right, he's gonna have the pressure off of him to, to exactly. be the guy that does everything on the field. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and so, you know, I, I recognize that this might be a really hard question to answer. But so why do you think you were OK with that? Right. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of guys that are, you know, I'll, I'll even admit it for myself. That was probably one of the hardest things for me to deal with was when I was on the, when I when I'm on a team, if I'm not the guy on that team. And I don't like this about myself, but if I'm not the guy on the team, it's really hard for me to be like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I didn't didn't get my goals. I didn't really help the team. I didn't play well. Um, And it seems Uh like you're not putting that pressure on yourself, which I'm sure makes you an even better player. Um, What is it about you? I mean, how, how did you develop that sense? Where did that come from? You think?
1: Uh, I, I mean, it's definitely deep rooted in, uh, Psychology, but I've always been a like I care far more about who you are off the field than who you are on. Um, mm-hmm. So, some you know the type of thing where you you idolize a player, for example, and then you meet them in person, and they're just they're not that nice of a dude, or <laughs> right. Um, right, they're not that cool, <laughs> or they're that can be such a letdown for me.
0: Right.
1: Um, whereas I think some people are that you know that could, they could care let Who cares if he's boring? He scores fifty goals a game. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've always had a, I've always loved or been closer with te- like the, who the person was on the roster had very, very little bearing on my relationship with them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess, I guess I'd like to say, I don't, not to glorify, but I see the value of people off the field, mm-hmm. not to get too deep, but like, and so I guess I didn't mind dropping into that, into a role more like that because I didn't think of it as all that bad. Um, right. I'm not sure if that made any sense, but I, 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 I really appreciate like locker room guys. And, mm-hmm. um, there's just so much to a team, you know, it's like, if it was only the guys on the field, it would, <laughs> it just, it wouldn't be the same. So it's right. like, whether you're a role player on the sideline there, there's, there's value. And I guess I, I, I try to see that.
0: Right. Right. And and I think. I think that's a, that's absolutely a strength, right? Like that was something that, you know, it it, may, it maybe took me until my senior year of college to actually realize, um, you know, you know, uh, f- for me, like doing the best for the team meant, you know, scoring as many goals, having as many assists as I possibly could. And if that didn't happen, you know, I played a bad game. I let the team down. Uh, and that's not necessarily true. You know, that's not always true. It doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be so much pressure. And I I wish that I would have learned what you're talking about right now, where maybe buy into the team aspect a little bit, where if I'm not having a game where I'm dropping, you know, three or four goals, maybe think to myself, what else can I do that's going to make me valuable for this team today? Right, and that may have led to ironically you know more goals and more assists um but uh i think that's something that's really important for players to learn to not put that pressure on sure. themselves and be okay i think there's any, any form role. of
1: stress is just not it's not conducive to success you know it's right it doesn't matter what it's about whether it's on the field or off i've always the the positive plays and the great successes have always come as a product of almost like a blank mind where you're how'd you do that? Well, I definitely didn't do that worrying about whether or not I was going to be able to do it. Um, (laughs) Right. So that's, I'm with you on that. It's like the stress and the pressure and like you said early on, it's it's a game and it's supposed to be really fun.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about, um, you know, you working on your game today. What do you do to continue to get better? You know, especially in the MLL where you're only meeting with the team once, maybe twice a week.
1: Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's the hardest era. I mean, currently, hopefully, when young players get up to play professionally, it's it's more built up and right. there's more of that, you know, option for a regiment. But it's the hardest um, thing mm-hmm. that I've faced athletically because, you know, like you said, you're not with the team all the time. There's not these be here at this time. We're going to play lacrosse, and that that's the main thing that I miss, and that that's that was for my entire life in a way that I didn't conceptualize for the better part of it was mm-hmm. like my outlet and right. um, was the funnest thing of my day. And it was always the release and net, like you, that is gone <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. in the MLL. I mean, you show up on Friday, but you're, you, you got a game the next day. So you're not going too hard. And like training camp is the the closest to a taste that you get of that. If your team has an intense training camp, which this year we did in Atlanta, we did have one in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It was like two weeks of like all day lacrosse for two or three days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, I feel like I didn't, you know, college. Like I felt right. young and I felt that pl- sheer joy of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not all year. And that ends quickly once the team is formed. So to stay in shape, you really have to have like a. a that's why you see so many guys drop off. It's not because right. they don't want to play. You know, do you want to fly and get paid to play lacrosse for the weekend? No one's going to say no. Right. Um, it's just that they fall out of shape, or you know, they get, their skills get rusty because you have to have your own regimen. It's hard to to make that. But for me, right. I try to lift twice a week, be on the wall as much as I can. Uh, I do yoga, uh, but. Again, it's so hard. I live in LA to find to play lacrosse. (laughs) Right, right. It's like throwing the ball against the wall is not. It's not the sport. Um, Right. So, but you got to do your best to replicate it. Get out to tournaments or men's Mm -hmm. games if you can.
0: Right. So, so what do you do? uh, You know, so let's break it down if we can. You know, you mentioned the weight room, uh, and you said you're going to the wall. I guess if you can walk us through what a typical um wall ball session will be like, or if you do get up to a field, what does that look like for you during the week?
1: uh yeah, so these days it would be like a wall ball so I always start slow and kind of i have to break a sweat first and then i'm I'm kind of into it and um' cause it's tough you just start start off shooting. I can become disgruntled quickly. I need to like break into a zone. <laughs> But right. then it's also important to not not be just a like the the people get really into the wall ball, but it's it's it it's not too good a replication of the sport itself. You're throwing it against mm. a very predictable wall. There's no one around. You got music right. on, so I always try to. If I'm alone, I'll literally turn my back to the wall, chuck the ball, so I can't see where it's going. Turn around quickly, catch because I'm primarily a finisher now, so hmm. I need to throw myself unpredictable passes while alone Hmm. um, which is tough to do especially the more you know the wall Um, (laughs) but I think that's a big part of my practice is hammering out the the shots that I I consistently score meaning like those are the scenarios I'm going to be in so you know an eight yard step down a feed to the low pipe Mm -hmm. uh, getting those reps in because they're going to come and then putting yourself into the ones that that might come the unpredictable stuff and gotcha. again, ties back to it's hard to do this stuff on your own and without the, the structure of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it usually is for me is hammering out the stuff that I'm good at and the shots that I consistently, even if I hit them, I just need to practice them. And then tr- forcing myself into these, you know, tight window feeds on the crease or picking it up off the ground and scoring or uh, shooting, you know, off my back foot shots that aren't necessarily fundamentally sound, but might come as a product of the mayhem in the game. Right, and then um, in terms of the weight room, I do a lot of kettlebell stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't really lift too heavy, um, but I do. I do a lot of kettlebell, a lot of like lunge type stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of maintenance work too. Especially if it's the season, once or twice a week, I'm in with the trainer, the you know physical therapist or trainers doing like band exercise. All the things you typically do if you're young and hurt, but you need to do if you're old and just playing. <laughs> if you're old and being <laughs> run down, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, if you're just trying to survive out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those that that's typically my regimen, is like that wall ball type stuff, mm-hmm. uh, kettlebell lifting, and then um, yoga, and a lot just the maintenance work. Like, I do a lot of rehab. Right.
0: The yoga, yoga is one thing that, you know, again, I picked up when I was older, and man, I wish I did it I wish I did it every day, from high school on. Like it's just made such a big difference in my life, and you know, I didn't even realize how you know tight and unflexible I was when I played lacrosse. It would have made such a yeah. difference. Yeah,
1: I'm the, I'm the same way. Some some of yeah. the poses, it's not. I think sometimes they could think it's lack of effort, but I, my body literally won't contort like right. in this in this way. But I'm the same way. It's it's so, it's such a good. I think it's it's in a hole because it's stigmatized and people are, you know, it's got that reputation of, oh, this guy's, you know, trying to find enlightenment or, you know, the yogi right. mindset. Right. But that's a good thing. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if someone's right. like curious about themselves or trying to find, then that's, it's it's one of those, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true that like, right. you'll feel better after.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: people don't want to hear it
0: (laughs) yeah every time I go I it's I'm always happy that I went uh yeah to to your point I actually had I had a yoga instructor um come up to me in the middle of class and ask me if I had a hip injury uh and I was like (laughs) I was like I don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> like I just yeah, could the not, same way. I couldn't move. I just couldn't move in the way she wanted me yep. to move. Um, hips for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, and the other thing you mentioned and you know, maybe you don't know the answer, you just like working out with them. You mentioned kettlebells. Um, I've used them before, but I, you know, I, 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 I can't really say what the benefit is, um, why, why do you use kettlebells over, you know, say dumbbells or, or, uh, you know, like a weight bench or anything like that?
1: I just think that they're a little bit harder. Um, and you can use like their weight, like if you're doing RDLs or something like that, It just feels more, you can move in, um, like as a kettlebell changes positions in your hand, if you will, like a dumbbell will remain static and will not rotate. Right but a kettlebell will move as a, you know, a product of gravity. So mm-hmm. that can like, it takes like, I guess a little bit of like thought to counterbalance it. Hmm. Um, and that's, it's always moving, whether you do it, like when I'm doing curls too, they move. So I think that that like added level of um, thought kind of makes me I, I think it like puts me into the moment a little more into the zone. Um, hmm. As for the actual physio- physiological benefits, it, it could be like, not as good or I'm just, I'm just ranting off my own personal experience but i i enjoy them
0: yeah and no, as you say that i started thinking uh i mean it must be there must be some advantage in terms of like stabilizing muscles <laughs> and things like that right because if yeah, you are well, yeah, trying to adapt yeah
1: exactly that's my thought at least <laughs> right
0: right I, i'd i I'd, I'd, I'd bet that you're right i'd bet that you're right <laughs> um but uh all right so let's um Let's talk about uh, your pregame game routine. Um, you know, so let's say, let's say it's a it's a Monday. You have a game on Saturday. Um, what does that week look like for you? How are you preparing for upcoming opponents?
1: Uh, it's basically the same thing as the routine I just talked about, which like you know, upper body workout, a lower body workout, yoga, and some rehab. And then on Thursday I'll be light because we had practice the next day, and doing some i mean at this point i've been in the league for quite a number of years so but there there seems to be a a big influx of new players younger players more younger players trying to Mm -hmm. come in and and more people want to play um so that means oh you know the bayhawks defense isn't the same as last year i got to look at who these guys are and who's probably going to guard me Mm -hmm. um but I usually do the bare minimum of research on the other team's defense because not because out of laziness or anything, but because I that never helps me. I it always makes me overthink, and um, yeah. it's not like I'm. It's not because I don't respect the other guys. It's almost because I respect them too much. Um, hmm. I'll I'll be like, oh, he's good at this, so I shouldn't do that. Nice. it's just it evokes way too much thought on my part which like we touched on earlier, is never good for me. Like I'm not, (laughs) ai don't calculate. I just kind of try to react. And Mm -hmm. the more I know about the other person, it seems to counteract that. Um, But I know that other guys are different. And obviously on the defensive end, doing your research is, is far more important. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know if that's a fact, but I think it's close to a fact. Guys know, they know crazy tendencies. I mean, the right. stats that we have on on the blaze at least in atlanta i know that you know I'll, i lived to scott ratliff for a little bit and he'd be like well I, s- I saw that when i was guarding busick if i got to his hands he scored you know some low percentage but when i let him in this area he was scoring upwards of 25 percent And you know it was like some i was getting <laughs> nervous thinking about the fact that he knew these things <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um so i but so on the defensive end that's very important but for me the the scouting is, I've never been big on that.
0: Right, right. And yeah, you know, ga-
1: ga- go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, I, I was just going to say game day, not an interesting response. I don't really have many superstitions. I try to um, not think about the game all day. You know, some people will wake up and have like a whole game day thing. I, I get n- nervous and anxious about, you know, will I do well? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I didn't do well the previous game, well, I better do well in this. And like,
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: it all ties back to the the thinking in me. Don't go, don't go, together hand in hand. So I try right. to treat my day like I don't have a game. Not that I'm expending energy or anything, but I like I'll go, I'll get my coffee, I'll work on my writing, which I normally do anyway, mm-hmm. and then I try to forget that I have a game. You know, so, right. like I, if someone, I just I don't know how guys do a whole game day thing where everything about the day reminds them that it's the day of a game (laughs) um (laughs) i I can't do that i get i get too overthinky right right right.
0: it sounds like you have you have two very different things going on it sounds like you uh looking back on how you played over a period it sounds like you're very analytical and thoughtful but when it comes to (laughs) the actual moment you want to not be there at all (laughs) <laughs> like you want to not be thinking about accurate. it <laughs> I, think, and I, I, I think that that, I don't
1: know at least I, I also do writing and that leads to success for me in that like all of the writing will be a product of being in the moment and um, you don't really remember like oh I don't know how I thought of that but mm-hmm. then you have to obviously look at the bigger story and analyze how the pieces are going to fit together Right. but that's not as fun that's not the fun that's almost like oh man I gotta figure this out
0: that's so the word. it's like this
1: weird. I think that that has helped me being able to analyze in other realms of my life.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. And, and and how much, how much time would you say you spend looking at yourself, if if any time at all? Uh, uh, on me- film in lacrosse. Yeah, sorry, in yeah, the film, okay, so, well, you know, let's say you yeah, have a game on Saturday. Do you watch the previous game to see, you know, what you did wrong or right, what you need to improve on, or do you try to avoid um,
1: it? Most of the time it haunts me, and I remember quite specifically um, <laughs> in my head. But I do, I do watch the games, and I, did, I remember in college, and it's immature not to watch your mistakes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. in college, the coach sends out the film's cut up, I'm not going to my turnovers. I'm going straight to my goals <laughs> and I'm watching each one like six times. Right. And then I might get around to the turnovers, but maybe not. Cause like I said, I remember, and they've been haunting me all week, but it, <laughs> it is, it is valuable to look at all the, you know, cause you're so much seeing your mistakes and success through your own lens. Right. That it's important to go and see where everyone else was on the field and what actually happened. Cause mm-hmm. Uh, I've found a lot of times I'll look and be like, oh well, I should have done this. It wasn't just oh the goalie made a save. It was oh I missed the pass that I should have made. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the value, and definitely not don't be convinced that you remember exactly how you failed. Right. Um, so I've, I find value in that it's still today, and I always watch our our um, MLL games, and those are tougher. Even it's even tougher to watch film when there's an announcer. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. because it's like, ooh, not a good take by Gibbs. Yeah. <laughs> so you're already telling yourself that in your head and then there's a human there doing it. So right. but I do I do watch it, but it's it's hard. It's hard to uh to watch yourself not do well. But you yeah. gotta do it if you want to get better.
0: Yeah, no, you absolutely do. You definitely gotta force yourself. For me, uh actually what ended up happening when I watched myself on on film make a mistake is weirdly enough it, uh, especially at UVA where you weren't watching a game with an announcer or anything like that, I totally understand what you're saying there, but uh, when you're just watching game film and you make a mistake, watching it on film versus the way you had it remembered in your head, it almost made it seem like it was, l- like it, was, it wasn't It was as big as a mistake as you made it seem. Like, actually, it oh, ended up having definitely. The, the reverse um, aspect where I'd say, oh, you know what? That wasn't as big as a mistake as I thought it was. And you sort of take some pressure off, too. So it had this weird sort of almost therapeutic sense to it. Absolutely. Right. Um, so, Matt, listen, uh, you know, I, I know I, I told you I'd, I'd keep, you, keep you an hour. Um, there's one question I've asked every, every player who's come on the show. Um, what are three things everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be lacrosse.
1: Yeah. So my, my first one is just show up and do it. Um, and I think that's, it's simplistic and it can be like, Oh, well, that's not good right? but it really is such a big part of mm-hmm. getting better at anything is just sitting, whether it be writing or, you know, stick work or lacrosse. Just the first step is you have to, you have to go, you have to show mm-hmm. up. Right. Um, and then the second one is get like breaking into a zone and kind of losing yourself in that activity. Um, and obviously, a prerequisite for that is showing up. And I think it can mm-hmm. become more pronounced in non-lacrosse activities, like my write, in writing or creative endeavors. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to not have an idea, if you will, or not know what you're going to do when you go to work on it, and you might not get anything done. That's the risk: is oh, I might not get anything done. But lacrosse, it's a little. If you show up, you're going to get something done. Right. So it's, but the, the enter the zone thing is you have to show up to enter the zone. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like show up and then break through to that period of, uh, this is step two would be breakthrough of that period of your, of like timelessness where you're in the zone and suddenly time passes right. and you're like, Ooh, wow, that was, that was the zone and I got stuff done and. I've always found that that comes that doesn't come when you're just standing there doing an easy pass against the wall or just you know uh, working on something that's not challenging you. It's it. I mean, there's research into this too. But the the zone comes, which is when you actually improve. Comes when you're like tiptoeing that boundary between your current skill set and what you potentially could do. So right. um, when you do, that and that's yeah, that's when you enter that flow state. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I, I think gravitating towards that and entering that is is you're, you're telling you that you're doing the right thing. You know you're right. you're pushing yourself to a level where it's going to breed results. Hmm. Um, and then number three would be get critic you know get advice and criticism um, hmm. and be careful about not careful but you know be diligent about who you get it from about what. I think hmm. a lot of people get advice they think because someone's better than them at something that the the best person for advice about, you know, who to vote for for president or, you know, to find mm-hmm. people who's who don't try to give advice about everything, give advice in their particular realm and you know, listen to them if right. you value their opinion and that doesn't mean take all advice and you know, don't let the you can't let just, you can go, there are things that are certain, you know, if you want to learn, do a, learn how to get an oil change, then you ask a mechanic and trust them. Mm-hmm. But if he tries to tell you, you know, that your painting's not good, maybe think a little bit harder about that. (laughs) Um, But get the advice and
0: um,
1: sift through it. And you'll find that a lot of times it's the criticism is correct. Not always, but it, it can be.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. This was really a great conversation. I appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully we can have you back on again um, but, uh, but good luck this weekend and hopefully we can talk soon.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Iovoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Iovoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, Please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential, all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.